One of the changes in our culture that I'm sure we're all aware of is oftentimes when a person goes to look for a job, changing jobs, one of the first things they ask almost before salary anymore is what? Are there benefits? What are the benefits? In theory, we get paid for our work, and the benefits are something extra that the company gives us. Now, whether it's truly that or not anymore, who knows? But you know what? We will see people do awful lot of things to receive those benefits. They may go to work every single day for 30 years hating their job because they want those benefits and need those benefits. Well, this morning I'm going to talk about some benefits that are so much greater than any job or vocation could ever give us. We're going to be looking at the resurrection this morning. And I want to just take us back first. Good Friday, or what we call Good Friday. We all know, I think, at least in part, what happened on that day. That was the day that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, and he was arrested. He was falsely accused. He went before a kangaroo court of religious people. He was found guilty even though he was innocent. He was turned over to be beaten, mocked, spit on, ridiculed, the crown of thorns. Eventually, nails were driven into his hands and feet as he was put on a cross to die. And they got his body off the cross before sunset because in those days, the next day started at sunset. So their Saturday would have started at sunset and he had to be off the cross because it was a holy day or the Sabbath. Saturday came, the Sabbath, and can you imagine? Try to put yourself in the place of his followers. They just experienced Friday. Most of the men had ran and hid. A number of the ladies were at the cross. And here they were, locked away in a room, all day long on the Sabbath. But sometime between sunset on that night, when the, when the first day of the week began, the day we call Easter Sunday, sometime between that sunset and evening coming, and before the sunrise that morning, there was a light that shined on the earth brighter than the sun itself. Jesus, sometime during that night, was raised from the dead. And that morning... Mary Magdalene was the first one. It's just amazing to me, of all people. This woman who had been bound by demons, that Jesus had delivered her from demons. She became a follower of Christ, and she was the first one there that morning at the tomb to discover what had taken place. This all took place for us approximately 1,000, 985 years ago. And we still celebrate it. About the only thing I can think of that we celebrate that took place longer ago than that was the birth of Christ. The two most significant events in the history of the world since creation itself. I want to start us in Mark chapter 16 this morning, starting at verse 9. And it says, early on the first day of the week, that would be our Sunday morning, 
he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Mark 16, 9 through 11. She went and told those who had been with him. Who is she going to tell? The disciples. She not only found the tomb empty, Jesus had appeared to her. And she runs back and tells those who had been with him, and listen to these words, who were mourning and weeping. And if I were to add to Scripture, I would say, and so afraid and in despair. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, you would think the next words would be filled with excitement. But the following words are simply this. They didn't believe it. They didn't believe it. Sometimes when we read this story, if you're like me, you can be a little hard on these poor disciples. You you think to yourself, well, Jesus has been telling them for a long time what was going to happen. And now it had happened just as he said it would. And yet their world has been destroyed. They are hidden away in that room. They have no hope because they don't understand. They are filled with fear, confusion, because all their hopes had been so strong, filled with despair, and I think as much as anything, they were suffering from broken hearts. And when I think of those emotions, I think of so much of the world yet today, filled with fear, no hope, filled with despair, struggling with broken hearts. I've got to tell you, these are the kinds of things that block faith. I believe these are the reasons those disciples couldn't believe what Mary Magdalene was an eyewitness to. But the world was forever changed that morning. The whole world. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead had taken place. The tomb itself was truly empty. From the absolute darkness of Good Friday to the light of the resurrection because Jesus was no longer in the tomb. You know, and and we talk so much about the crucifixion. We talk so much about the blood of Jesus, and we should. But I think we sometimes overlook the significance of the resurrection. We just kind of go along with, well, he was raised from the dead. And that's true, but there's so much more to it. And this morning what I want to look at for a little while is some of the resurrection benefits. And that's the title of my message this morning, The Resurrection Benefits. Now, there were great benefits to Jesus. He was no longer dead. That's a pretty big deal. In about... 50 days or so, or not even that, 40 days, he was going to ascend back to heaven where he came from to be in the presence of his Father. They were going to be reunited again after being separated like they were while he was God and man on earth. He's finishing the task that he came to accomplish. He has purchased the bride of Christ. He purchased his bride. There was a lot of benefits to Jesus, but boy, the benefits for us. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning, the benefits of the resurrection for us. And I'm going to just touch on three. And even in these three, you could break them down into so many different things. But I'm going to talk about first benefit of it is the fact that 
because of the resurrection, Jesus overcame death. And by doing so, he made it possible for us to share in the righteousness of Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ. The second benefit that I'm going to talk about is the fact, and, and I hope we grab a hold of this, because he was resurrected. We're going to look and see that by the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead, we too are already now living a resurrected life. Already now living a resurrected life. Now. Today, we don't have to wait to live that life until Jesus comes back. We'll get a new body then, but the resurrected life is already for today for those of us who believe in Jesus. The benefit of that is beyond our comprehension, but I hope we get a little bit greater comprehension this morning. And third, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee that we too will one day be resurrected and we will get a new body that will be similar in some ways, but it's going to be better in every way because of the resurrection. So let's back up and go back to the first benefit that I mentioned. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 12. This is Paul writing these words. Paul, who has been converted in a mighty way from a religious zealot persecuting the church, killing Christians, to a powerful apostle of God. And he writes these words, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? There was a religious group, the Sadducees, that didn't believe that it happened. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. Paul is saying, everything I've given my life to, if it's not true, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. If there is no resurrection of the dead, Christ isn't raised from the dead. And if I'm teaching that, I'm worse than all of you because I'm teaching a lie. In verse 16 it says, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, listen to these words, your faith is futile. Your faith is futile. It's worthless. And you are still in your sins. If Christ was not raised from the grave, if he was not raised from the dead, you are still in your sins. If you think about it, that might confuse you. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, the ones that have already died, they're lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. In other words, if there's nothing more than this, if this is our only hope, it's in this life, we are to be pitied. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. 
You know, if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, what so many people try to tell us could possibly be true. If he hadn't been raised from the dead, he could have been just a good man. If he hadn't been raised from the dead, he might have just been a good prophet. If he hadn't been raised from the dead, he might have just been a good teacher. And there's been a lot of those. Good, bad, and ugly. But he was raised from the dead. And it's all different when it comes to Jesus. But here's the question. Why? Why, if Jesus died on a, died on a cross for our sins, if on that cross he took the curse that you and I deserved, shouldn't we be free from our sins whether Jesus was raised from the dead or not? Often, that's where our thinking stops. But the Bible tells us something other than that. The scripture I just read to you said, if he was not raised from the dead, we would still be in, his, in our sin. Even though he died on the cross, suffered, shed his blood, died on that cross, if he was not raised from the dead. The Bible says we'd still be in our sin. The resurrection's a big deal. The resurrection is huge. Without the resurrection, just the cross, it wouldn't work. Without the resurrection, nothing had been conquered. Without the resurrection, sin had not been defeated. Without the resurrection, death had not been defeated. Without the resurrection, the devil had not been defeated. But he rose from the dead. And all those things did happen. The resurrection testifies to something so different than what the world might say, that he was a good teacher, a good prophet, a good man. In, in Romans 1, verse 4, it says these words, And through the spirit of holiness, Jesus was declared with the power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. What declared him to be the Son of God? By his resurrection from the dead. It declared for all the world, for all time, that Jesus truly was who he said he was. He was the Son of God. He was the only sacrifice, only sacrifice that could have been made for our sins. And it's confirmed and declared, and it's like shouted to all of the earth because of the resurrection, because of an empty tomb. When he, if he had not been resurrected, it would have implied to us at least that the salvation, the atonement, had not been completed. He died, but then what? But, good news, the resurrection declares for all to hear and all to see and all to believe that the divine justice of God was met on the cross. The resurrection is the confirmation that it took place. The punishment for sin is over. The punishment for sin is over. 
We can quit beating ourselves up. We can start quit trying to earn favor with God. The punishment for sin is over. When he hung on that cross, he took all the punishment that you and I deserved, and he took it all. And it met the justice of God, and it's confirmed by his resurrection from the dead. It's done. We can be free. We can have the righteousness of Christ because of that. And as a believer, whether you get it or not, you need to understand, you need to begin to understand, you are righteous in Christ. God doesn't look at your sin. Quit looking at your own sin. Quit judging yourself. Quit condemning yourself. Quit walking in shame. The enemy will use all of that to oppress us and depress us, to keep you off of achieving the destiny that God has for us. It's been paid in full, and the resurrection was like the stamp that said, paid in full. The resurrection tells us that Jesus won. Death lost, sin lost, the devil lost. The empty tomb confirms it. That means now, through faith, through faith, we can have the resurrection of Christ, the, the, excuse me, the righteousness of Christ. We need to receive it by faith. If you got saved, how did you get saved? It was by grace, through faith. We had to believe. If you can believe for your salvation, can you believe that you are righteous because of what Christ did? It came in the same package. We need to believe it and receive it by faith. In Romans 4, again, it says, starting in verse 22, Therefore, I'll give you a little context. It's talking about Abraham. And it was talking about Abraham was such a man of faith. And it starts out by commending Abraham, but then it goes from there. And it says, Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness, meaning to Abraham. But then look at it says, Not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over because of our transgressions, because of our sins. He was delivered over to be crucified and punished for our sins and was raised for our justification. He was raised from the dead. That word justification there means it's been completed. The process of justification has been completed. It's finished. In other words, you're innocent. You are no longer condemned. Our sin no longer condemns us. People may try to, the world may try to, but it's a lie. We have been set free because of what Jesus did. The cross... And the resurrection cannot be disconnected from one another. The cross and the resurrection can't be separated. The work of both the cross and the resurrection. The resurrection had way more benefit to us than we probably have ever imagined. And I hope that you're seeing it as I read it from the word of God itself. That he tells us these things. If he wasn't raised from the dead, this, this part of that scripture just 
blows my mind. If it wasn't for the fact that he was raised from the dead, our faith would be futile and we would still be in our own sin. If he hadn't been raised, and he was raised from the dead. Together, when they're kept together, they demonstrate to us Christ's payment for sin has been accepted and the victory has been totally won, completely. The righteousness of Christ, what a benefit. Walk in it. Live in it. Enjoy it. He died for us to be able to put on the cloak of Christ's righteousness so that when God looks at you and me, he sees the righteousness of Christ, not Mike's sin. It's been dealt with. I'm never going to be punished. I'm never going to be punished by God for my sin. Oh, there may be consequences because I do some stupid things, but he's not going to punish me ever, ever again. He's not going to punish you either if you're a born-again believer. We won't talk about the consequences. The second major benefit that we have, now think about this, the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in us by the Holy Spirit. And when he was raised from the dead, we were resurrected with him. We already now have a resurrected life. You believe that? I already have a resurrected life. Okay, let's try this together. I already have a resurrected life. Ready? Not amen. That's good. But I want you to say it. I already have a resurrected life. The old man's dead. I'm a new creature. Forever. We're going to get a new body, but the new life, it's there. We are born again. Our spirit is alive and well. We have the resurrection power living in us. We need to get that. It's not a futuristic thing. Gee, if I believe in Jesus, one day I'm going to get a resurrected life when he comes back. No, you're going to get a resurrected body when he comes back. You have a resurrected life the moment you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. The old person is dead. That old Mike, and I still remember him. <laughs> and some of it hasn't been washed away completely yet. But that's what, he's dead. You know what? The devil keeps trying to revive him in my mind. Every now and then he reminds me of some of the dumb things that dead guy did. Some of the horrible things that dead guy did. And if I'm not careful, I start to revive that old... But he's dead. I can't bring him back to life. He's dead. I am a new creature in Christ. I have a new life in Christ. I have been resurrected with Jesus. In the Scriptures, it tells us in Romans 6, 5... If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. When he died, I died. When he was raised from the dead, I was raised from the dead. All I had to do was receive it by faith. Oh, I wish it was smooth sailing from every day, every day after that. But it wasn't. And it isn't. But it doesn't change the fact. I have received by faith the reality, the truth, that I am a new creature in Christ. 
it goes on and says, For we know that our old self was crucified, past tense, with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I still sin, but I am no longer a slave to that sin. I have the power in me to resist that sin. God will give me the grace, the same grace that saved me, will strengthen me and give me the ability to overcome that sin as long as I listen to the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells in me. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are not the same person you were before you did that. You may look the same on the outside, and the world may want to treat you like you're the same. They're slow to forget. But the reality is you're not the same person you were. You've been changed. In Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sin, our transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. It's by grace you have been saved. You've been made alive in Christ. You know, remember, we need to remember this. There is a union that takes place the moment you get saved. What happens the moment you get saved? My spirit is born again and the Holy Spirit indwells me and we are in union together. I have the power of God. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. We need to remember that because there are times when it's easy to forget. When you struggle with guilt or shame or condemnation, you find it hard to believe that you've really been justified, that you're really, your sins have been dealt with. It can be hard. The devil's good at doing those things. And he hits it at our weakest moments, and he hits us in those tenderest spots. And we struggle with guilt. But when we do, it's because we forget that every single lash, every single single strike, all of the wrath of God that we deserved for our sin was already given to Jesus. It was given to Him. There is not going to be one stroke of punishment by God, from God, given to me because we are in union with Christ. Some of us sometimes struggle with a feeling of helplessness. Kind of what our mind tells us, and we tend to sometimes believe, is, will I ever change? Can I ever change? When that thought of helplessness or frustration comes in that, I can't believe I killed, I still do this. I can't believe I messed that up again. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe. How can I be saved? We have forgotten that we are in union with Christ. We are a new creature. We can overcome all those things. The Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Just think, if the power of the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead, can it change me? Can it change you? Absolutely. And that's what he's doing. Sometimes it's a little herky-jerky. The old two steps forward and one step back. 
But he's not going to give up. And he can change us. And we need to remind ourselves of that. We are union in union with Christ. Because we're in Christ, that new life starts now, the moment of your salvation. We share the righteousness of Christ. We are a new creature in Christ. And third, as good as this life is, after we become a Christian, as good as it is, there's going to be even a better life. It's just going to get better. Jesus is going to come back. And we are all going to get a new body and we are going to live and reign with Christ forever. It's guaranteed because Jesus was raised from the dead. In 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits. You know what the first fruits were? There, even, there was even a religious day in the Jewish culture. The first fruits. The day of first fruits. They would go. It's like if you had an apple tree out in your yard. Well, that's a bad example. It takes a little too. Let's go with the tomato plant. You go on the tomato plant, and the first tomato is there, and it's ripe. And it looks delicious. That would be given as a sacrifice to God as the first fruit. And I'm giving it, recognizing, one, it's from God, and two, I have faith that there's more coming. That's the whole concept of the first fruits. I'm given this God because I believe you. And that's what he is. It tells us Jesus was raised from the dead as the first fruit of the resurrection. He was raised from the dead, the first fruits of all of those who have fallen asleep or died. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all die will be made alive, each in his own turn. Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, all those who belong to him. He was the first fruit of a resurrection that is yet to come. He is evidence. It's a guarantee. I mean, can you imagine if the guarantee was we were all going to be raised from dead and, and Jesus' body was still in a tomb somewhere? Yeah, really, right. He is evidence. He is proof. It guarantees our future resurrection. It guarantees that there will be a new body that will be immortal, one without pain. I'll quit aging. <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that. No sin, no sadness, no grief. What a promise. Easter confirms, the resurrection confirms that we have new bodies coming. I don't pretend to know how he's going to do that. I sometimes sit and think about that, and I wonder, well, what about those people that were blown into a million pieces in the war, or burned in a fire, or this or that? I guess it doesn't matter how he does it. I just know he's going to. We're all going to get a new body better than this one. That's just some of the benefits of the resurrection. Some of the benefits for us of an empty tomb that we get to share in the righteousness of Christ because of what he did. And we receive that by faith. He paid the price on the cross for us. 
accomplished. Proof that he, when he was raised from the dead. And we now have the resurrection power living in us in this new life that's for now. We don't have to live under the power of sin. It's been broken. We're new creatures in Christ. And we have the promise that he's coming back. And when he does, we get a new body. The cross and the empty tomb cannot and should never be separated. Neither diminishes the other. In fact, each one makes the other even greater. They are dependent upon each other. Together, when we look at them together, they demonstrate for us that Christ's payment for sin has been truly accepted by the Father, and the victory has been won, and it's ours. But there's always a but. All of those promises and all of those benefits are available to everyone. Everyone. But they're only given to those who accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. If we've not done that, no matter how nice you think you are, how good you try to be, you're still a dead man walking. When Adam and Eve sinned, that sin changed us, changed mankind. The Bible says through death, one man's death, death came to all men. But it also says through one man, Christ, life came to all men. The reality is if you've never acknowledged that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior, you're missing all the benefits of Easter. Acknowledging that the only thing that could separate or bring us and, and overcome that separation from God that was caused by sin was a sacrifice. Blood had to be shed. Jesus had to go and die on that cross for our sins. And if you receive that, he died in your place. And then surrender your life to him. Allowing him to lead and guide you by his Holy Spirit. The moment that takes place, there's a transformation. The Bible says you've been born again, but we could say we are now in Christ. We are a new resurrected you. If you've never ever done that, I think you should. And God tells us in his word that his desire is that none should ever perish. So he provided a way for everyone to become that new creature in Christ. Sadly, we all know some are going to reject it, just like they did in Jesus' day. But my prayer this morning would be that no one in here rejects that. Our final destination for eternity depends on that decision. Spending the rest of eternity in the presence of God or spending the rest of eternity separated from God in eternal torment. Choice is ours. He did all the work. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. There is an option for each one of us. As we pray, could I have the worship team come up here? We're going to close with this, one of the songs we sang this morning. Heavenly Father, I rejoice in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
that you love the world so much that you gave your only son Jesus to die on that cross, that whosoever would believe in him would never, ever perish, never be separated from you, but would have eternal life, spending eternity in your presence. God, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of our hearts. God, for those that already know you are living that new life in Christ, I pray, God, we would have a greater understanding that our confidence would be in you and not in our works, that the devil would have no place to attack us with his lies and deceptions. For those that may have never made this decision, Lord, I pray this morning is the time they say, I want in. I need a new life. I want this old person, this old me, to be dead. And I want that new life in Christ. I pray, Lord, and give you all the praise and honor and glory for our new life, that we have the righteousness of Christ, that we are those new creatures in Christ. And that day when you come back, we will be raised. Our physical bodies will be raised, and we are going to receive a new body. I thank you that the life we have can be great, but the life we will have will be even greater. I pray all this for your glory in Jesus' name.